We um, have been doing uh, the message on the Ten Commandments, and today's number eight, and it's Thou Shall Not Steal. So people have been teasing me that <clears throat> we're going to go in there and go, don't steal, and walk off stage. Because you think, it's, you think, you think, oh, everyone knows not to steal, but you know what? What God says not to steal and what we picture as stealing is a little bit different. Now, see, do you see a little guy in the corner over here? No, on the screen. You didn't even notice that you were being cased. That's what everyone thinks of stealing, that a thief, he is, you know. Let me tell you, there is... Well, we're going to find out. The, the, the amount of stealing that goes on and, and what, what stealing looks like, what it sounds like, what it is you know, with man and what it's with God. So let's take a look. Thou shalt not steal. And the key to all of the Ten, ten Commandments and not stealing is this. This is the very first verse of Exodus 20. And so you would look at, there's some people who, it's called hyper grace, and they're actually writing a new Bible that has taken everything negative out of the Bible. You know, that say, there's one verse, um, you know, it says, you know, person who is a whoremonger, this and this and this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, in the hyper grace Bible, it says, for those who have not yet found the grace of God, you know, will not inherit. They, they don't say anything negative. And one of the things that people have said for years is that the Ten Commandments are negative because it says, thou shall not, thou shall not. I want you to know that, that the, the thou shall not is negative because it's speaking of something positive, And that's this, the key to unlocking the, all the thou shall nots. Here's the reason why thou shall not. It said, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And he qualifies Egypt out of the land of slavery. Now, there were some Israelis living in Egypt who were quite good businessmen, who were wealthy, yet they were still enslaved. You see, wealth and and not being enslaved, have not, you know, there are people who are very wealthy, but their entire lives, they're enslaved to something. They may be enslaved to making money. They may be enslaved to having a certain image. But even here, it says, listen, I brought you out of Egypt, and let me just make this clear. Egypt was slavery. So what we need to understand is that today, even in the church, there are many that are under slavery. Something is controlling you that you may not see or feel, but it's controlling you. You aren't free to do as you believe God has called you to do. That's called slavery. So here's what it says. This is something positive. To, listen, I'm the one who got you out of your slavery, and this is how to stay out of it. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. So, <clears throat> in quick review, I'm going to go back to six. It says, thou shall not murder. 
Now, the positive end of that is that it's talking about the sanctity life. You don't focus on the murder. It says, how do you stay out of bondage? Don't murder someone because you will be running from that the rest of your life. Thou shalt not murder. This God honors and he says, life is a godly, holy thing. It's, it, there's a sanctity of life. The next, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's not saying don't do that. It's saying God holds marriage as holy. There's a benefit of marriage and it's holy. One of them is, is holy in God's sight when it's done correctly. Today, thou shalt not steal. The interesting thing about this is Karl Marx, who is the father of communism, he read in Acts 2.42 that the church came together and had everything in common. Well, he took that and created, so everyone is supposed to be at the same level. No one owns anything, but they own everything. And they created communism. That's not what it was saying. It was during a Passover meal. It's when they, all the people had to come in for this feast. And the poor people didn't have enough to stay there all week. So it said the wealthy sold some of their extra stuff and provided for the poor. So no one was in need. So, and in this, it says, thou shalt not steal. This is talking about the, the sanctity of property. You know, somewhere we got along the lines, you know, like, oh, those rich people, they have so much, like it's dirty. I'm telling you right here, God's saying, there's something sacred about owning. There's something sacred about it. Because it said, you know what? I've given you this to manage. I've, you know, you've worked hard, you've done this, and there's... Something that's sacred about property. And we see that as, you know, throughout the scriptures. And then next week, thou shalt not bear false witness. There's a sanctity of reputation. And when I say sanctity, there's a holiness to it. So it's not just a good teaching. It's just not do it this way instead of the wrong way. It really is. There's a right way. And that God considers them absolutely righteous and holy. So, there are seven ifs. Now, see our little guy over there? That is typically what everyone thinks of, as we said. But it's not that. Now, there are seven ifs that it, we think excuse stealing. Now, this is going to be this is this is going to be a back and forward thing. We can talk here. I want to have you make a vote. All right. Um, I personally, it's something about island life. Um, my family has always lived on an island, either in the Bahamas, Key West. I mean, I'm, and, and I, no offense, island people, but there is something that is honorable about stealing, you know, in the islands. You know, if you can cheat somebody out of it, it's like you're smarter than the rest. Uh, any island people here? Am I right? Have you experienced the same thing? Yes. And uh, so I can just say that because I are one. So <laughs> seven ifs. Now, some of us know these too well. If you really needed it, 
if you really need it. So why'd you take it? I just really needed it. Somehow that makes it right. When you're the guy who needs it, it does. If the owner doesn't need it, it just sits there. Now we're going to get closer to somebody. If the other owner won't know that it's gone. It's not stealing if he doesn't even know it's gone. I'm starting to win somebody, aren't I? <laughs> if the owner can afford to buy another one. Yeah, rich heritage I come from, isn't it? If it's on the small side, it's not really stealing. If it is not from someone you know. There's honor amongst us thieves. You don't steal from a bro. Okay. <laughs> and number seven, if it is not from an individual but a company or a government state. All right. At number one, I'm going to go through them. Raise your hand if you think that is the most often used excuse. Number one, who's voting for number one? Oh, we didn't get any in the first service. Okay, that's pretty good. Number two. Was that a no scratch? Okay, no scratch. I didn't count. Okay, vote. Okay. Number three. No one went for number three. I vote number three. <laughs> number four. Okay, number five. Six. Seven. Ho, ho. Gotcha. Seven was big, but not like number five. Number five is the winner. There was a study. In fact, it, it, there's a, 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 what do they call it, a, tech to, a, a TED talk that goes over them. And number five is the most uh, awesome. They did this study on uh, stealing, and they went to universities. They went to MIT. They went to Harvard. They went to small schools colleges. They did this with professors. They did it in the students, you know, student common areas. And what they did is they <clears throat> would, they would do different tests. They would let students grade themselves. It was quite interesting. It said, okay, uh, whenever they graded themselves, how many know that the scores went up by half? <laughs> it, said, it didn't matter what school it was, Ivy League, it says, whenever they said, okay, I'm going to grade your score, you know, raise your hand and tell me, you had a piece of paper. Here's how they did it. it says, raise your hand. You, you, you would score it. They give you the test. You put, they give you the answers. Then they go, okay, how many uh, got this many right? They raise their hand. But the, there was a physical piece of paper there. Now, they've done this. They did this at no, a whole bunch of different schools. Then they said, okay, take the test. They did other ones. That take the test. Tear the paper up. Okay. Guess what? How many got this many right? Scores went up by 50%. When they knew there was no evidence, they weren't going to get caught. So they'd go in the faculty rooms with faculty. They'd go over the student common areas. And in the refrigerator, they'd put a case of, you know, a bunch of, one of those 12-pack of Cokes. And they have a plate there, and they put money. Like people were paying to put Coke and take the Cokes. Guess what? Not a dollar was stolen, but every Coke was gone. They wouldn't, they even left wallets in the refrigerator. You, you wouldn't think, when someone left a wallet in the refrigerator. Like, 
they didn't steal the money. They stole the Coke. It was on the small scale. That's not stealing. A Coke's not stealing. Did you know the Coke costs more than... They actually, you know, it, it's interesting <clears throat> that companies, a lot of these uh, multi-level marketing things, you know, where you get in the business, you sell all your friends because they feel guilty if they don't buy from you, and then there's no one else to sell to, so you get out. Okay. Now, some of you have made a million dollars. Please tithe correctly. Um, <clears throat> but they have looked at the psychology of it, and... They no longer pay you, a lot of them don't pay you cash. Because you're doing this for the money, aren't you? I've had, I've, I was, of course, I got married. You know, everyone does that. And they're going, you do this for money? And like, uh, 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 you're trying to make money off me? You're, I'm your friend? Uh, now they have a book where you buy stuff with chips or bonuses. Someone says, so you make money off me doing it? Nope, not a dime. But I get a thousand points and I'm going to buy me a car. You know, just it makes it okay to make money off your friends, making them feel guilty for not buying. And there's just the psychology, but do you know what? God has got a clear path for us, a clear word on what, st- what stealing is. And there's two types of stealing. Well, there's actually there's more types than just two, but <clears throat> but in categories, we either steal from God or we're stealing from man. Stealing from man. There's a thing called the laws of honest gain, and the laws of honest gain is quite in- interesting. That there's only two ways to gain honestly. It's it, and and it's either by labor which is wages. So that's honest gain. You worked for it. So you should get that. That's yours. And the other is gifts or love. Someone so loves you, they gave this to you. So you look and you look and you look and you look. There is no other way of honest gain. You know, if you inherited it, it was a gift. If you worked, you earned it. There's, there's only two laws to this, to this, this law of gain, and that's it. So there, you're like, well, wait a minute, there's, there's other ways that I've gained. What is that? Well, we'll take a, a look at it. But <clears throat> the Bible very clearly and very simply says, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, the one who is unwilling to work shall not Eat. They shall not eat. It's kind of straightforward. But it's painting a picture of a type of person who has kids, who has grandkids, who's just inherited kids. (laughs) It is our duty to not only look at our heart, but to see that we are to train the next generation in the way it needs to go. And in this verse, it says, you know what? This is starting to paint a picture of someone. In Ephesians, it's even clearer. It says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must 
There's an answer to stealing, and it's not just stop stealing. To stop one action does not create a character for another action. You, if I was physically stealing, it was making a type of person in me, so I need to physically do the opposite, and it produces another personality in me. And so if you just don't stop stealing, that's not enough. you got to start working. And what do you do with that work? Well, the Bible tells us, you know what? You must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. That produces a whole different person. We find that stealing produces a getting type of person. Working produces a giving type of person. Now, you can see that in your grandkids. You can see that in your kids. Said, what do we, we've got to do something to produce, to help our child, our grandkids, to learn the rewards of work. That there's a reward to work. That, that, that's something that makes them feel good. Because I always, we tell the girls, he goes, how does that make you feel? It, whenever that we see a, another child at their age, you know, pitching a fit, and I always would turn to the girls and go, how does that make you feel? Because they were feeling something, but until they express it. And when you have a grandchild or a child that does something good, or a husband, uh, <laughs> we're still training them. Um, you need to express to them your gratitude and even get them to understand the feeling that they're feeling when they work, and when they give. It always amazed me. I've lived in both worlds, and I still do. Some people who are very wealthy, and some people who are just barely making it. And, and this misconception that rich people are evil and are greedy. The most gracious people I know are wealthy. So we're not talking about, we're not talking about money or possessions, we're talking about a heart. It, it's, it's the heart. You can, have, you can have the poorest of persons as just gracious. They'll give you anything. But guess what? I found that just, just as true with wealthy people. It's not money. It's not I'll give more if I had more. No, you'd give more if you had that heart. It is up to us to not just look for it in ourselves, but in those that we're raising, whatever their age. Well, it's going to get even more personal here. Let's just talk about the types of stealing. Obviously, we have the guy who robs. He's stealing your car. You know, he's, he just steals because he needs it. That's one type. We don't need to go there. But number two, I'm going to talk about cheating because cheating is stealing. And I want to address the employer who underpays his employee. He underpays them. That is called cheating. The Bible points out in different, uh, di different uh, uh, parables that God would 
do parables that said, listen, the guy who came in half days getting all to get getting paid full day. He goes, I'm not gonna cheat anybody. Let me tell you something else. The employee who does not put in an honest day's work is cheating his boss. It's a two-way street. This whole idea is like, you know, I know. You know, there's, you have, everyone has easy days, but if you know there's a day where you're sneaking around and you think you got away with something, that's cheating. That's stealing. I'm either stealing from my boss or I'm stealing from my employees. Now, remember, God said this is sacred. Honest gain, he honors. Stealing from God, how do we do that? Well, you steal from God in these ways. To, to say what is yours is mine is stealing from man. Agreed? For me to say what is yours is mine is stealing from man. For me to say what is mine is mine is stealing from God. You see, I was bought with a price. I gave, my, I, gave, I gave up this life. I said, Lord, you bought me with your blood. What I have is not mine. If you bought a field... And it's full of junk cars. Is the field yours? Well, if you, if you go and buy a piece of property, right? The property is yours, but everything on the property is yours too. The junk cars. So you clean up all those junk cars, and now it's a beautiful piece of property. It's still your property. I've been bought. God bought the junk. Just not me. He bought the junk. As he starts cleaning it up, I can't take that property back. It's still his. Uh, 41 years ago, Crystal bought all this. <laughs> she got it all. <laughs> the good, the bad. And it's been morphing. <laughs> it's, it's been changing. Look, she got a good investment. It's been getting bigger. <laughs> it's growing. <laughs> Man, she got more than what she bargained for. <laughs> Let me tell you, in our giving, when you put your tithe in, or, you know, actually, if you're visiting and, and you see the tithing basket go by and you don't see anyone putting in it, about, what's it, 70% tithe online here. You know, it's like, gosh, how's that boy make it on that? Uh, <laughs> in our giving, do you say, I gave 10%? Or do you say, I just have to give 10% of his back? Because it's all his. We get to manage it. And if you think you're giving instead of being responsible with what's his, you're cheating. It shows the difference. Your heart's wrong. Your, your value here goes way up, and you overvalued yourself. You go, wait a minute. I can't overvalue myself. He owns all of it. I just get to keep 90. 
Because you start getting in trouble when you overvalue your worth. I know I do. And you're disappointed when something doesn't go as well as it's supposed to go. And we have to blame someone else. It's the wrong heart. That's someone who takes instead of someone who gives. And the next is time. That was time is so precious to you guys. But who owns the field? I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the, the people who stand up there. You know, our, our parking lot guys that pick up trash before you all get here, before the first service. They're out there picking up trash. The, our greeters, the first in the morning, they pick up trash. They greet you at the doors. Do you know what? Their day is just as long as yours. It's just as long. For those of you who, you know, you, you go to a cell group or you may have a, you might be a cell group leader or you're hosting a cell group, you do so. I, it, it's amazing. Do you know that that house, if you go to a small group, do you know that house, someone had to clean it before you got there? No, it doesn't always look like that. Okay, that was just for you. And then when you leave, they clean it. That time... It's God's. It's not yours to give. It's for us to discover where God wants me to spend that time. And then in gifts. Wow. Do you know, in Corinthians, it says that God has given every believer a gift. A, a spiritual gift. Now, in Romans 12, in Romans 12, it says that everybody's been given a gift. If you were born in the image of God, everyone has been given a gift. Okay, these are called, uh, you know, ministry, I mean, not ministry gifts, but, but gifts given at birth because you were born in God's image. There's the gifts of service, the gifts of administration, prophecies even in that gift. Do you know there's people who are not Christians who can do that because they were born in the image of God? It said everyone has one of those gifts. But as a believer, we all move to Corinthians chapter 12. It said every believer has a spiritual gift. There's nine of them. Here's a gift. Here, are we stealing from God? I won't embarrass us by asking, what's your spiritual gift? Because you've been given one. Has it just been stolen from God? not used. And I, I believe that most of us do move in a gift, even if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, because you're a believer, you've been given one. You just don't know how to operate in it. But you do. You know, either when you're trying to encourage someone, you can speak a word of prophecy. I've had a lot of people who would never stand up going, thus saith the Lord. But I ask them to pray, and boy, they just pray yeah. prophetically. And I tell him, I said, you know, you just prophesied. You just had a word of wisdom. You had a word of knowledge when you were speaking to that person. They're going, oh, not me. Yes, you, or you're not a believer. Now, who was the one talent taken away from in the story of the talents? Was it the one who had five? Nope. Was it the one who had two? It was the one that only had one. Wow. God has given us gifts. When was the last time you walked in it? You purposely moved in it. Is that not a sense of stealing from God? 
that he would give you out of the, 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 the law either labor or love. And it was out of love that he gave you this gift. And we... See, if we realized that that's stealing from God, we need to honor that. What's great is God spent a lot of time with thieves. Throughout the scriptures, I mean, besides the verses we, we read, little Zacchaeus, we little Zacchaeus, you know, you know, he's a tax collector, can't see Jesus. He runs up ahead, climbs up a tree. You know, he had to hike up his skirt to hot foot it, and he's shimmying up the tree. You know, he's, that's not very dignified. And Jesus turns and goes, Zacchaeus, come down. We're going to have supper at your house. They go down there. Zacchaeus just stands up in front. Everyone's going, he's going, look, he eats with sinners. Look what happened at the end of it. Zacchaeus stands up and he just says, hey, if I've, what I've stolen, I'm going to pay back four times. I'm going to be honest. From now on, and what does Jesus say? Salvation has come to your house this day. What he's done is he stopped. He didn't just stop stealing. He started giving and working. It changed his heart. Jesus is hanging on the cross between two thieves. One thief turns to him and goes, hey, you're the Messiah. Get yourself and us down, king of the Jews. And the other thief on this side, he goes, don't you fear God. We deserve to be up here. This is an innocent man. He said, Jesus, remember me. Jesus goes, today. Today you'll be in paradise with me. A man who had nothing. He's dying on a cross, half naked, and this thief changed his heart from a taker a giver and that day he was in paradise it's a change of the heart what does our heart look like what are our kids our grandkids do we do we spot a taking spirit how can we turn that around to a working gracious heart tells us the bible tells us that we are to train the next generation that's training them in how to work and give how does it feel when you give how does it feel when you take sounds simple but it's not being taught it is up to us to look at us first the key is this this is what keeps you out of slavery. 
Oh, yeah, your life's pretty good. You know what? You may be living in Egypt and you don't know it's slavery. He just couldn't say, remember, I took you out of Egypt. No, Egypt was slavery. Some of y'all didn't even recognize it because you were pretty comfortable doing it. The goal to the Ten Commandments is not to be enslaved by these things that will drag you back. Even though I brought you out of slavery, you can drag yourself right back into it. Do we give? Do we have that right heart? Wow. Why don't we stand? This week, that's the wonderful thing about God's word. Boy, it's just the Holy Spirit can just keep bringing it up and bringing it up right when you're going through some of this stuff. Right when you catch yourself thinking that you're deserving. Right when you overvalue what you are. I had a a morning I got to spend with Rick uh, Strombeck, as junior, and in his accounting firm, he's had to go to court many times with guys who embezzle and get in trouble. And we were just, I was referring to people I've known in the church. He was referring to what he's seen in the courts. And it all comes down to this. It's people who overvalue themselves. They think they can do more. They're worth more. They do this. They start having a grudge. I mean more than this, so I'll just take this from my boss. Oh, the church shouldn't, you know, they don't appreciate me enough. You know, and it all goes south. We are not our own. If you have been bought by Jesus' blood, you're bought. All of it. All of it.